This is Sarah Lemon, author of the Whole Dish blog and food writer for the Mail Tribune newspaper in Southern Oregon. This podcast is produced for the Mail Tribune and Rosebud Media. You can find it online at mailtribune.com forward slash podcasts and read my blog, The Whole Dish at mailtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash the hyphen whole hyphen dish. The most recent post in my blog plays up the approach of Halloween, which is a bit of a departure for me over more than a decade of blogging. Rarely have I posted anything specific to Halloween simply because it's a fleeting occasion. It isn't like the run-up to Thanksgiving and Christmas and even New Year's that are so food-focused. But of course, Halloween has only gained popularity. It's something that people are a lot more inclined to really put effort into in terms of their gatherings and food besides just handing out candy. Because I am not someone who is overly fond of sweets, which I've stated in my blog many times over the years and in this podcast, I'm always inclined to do something savory. Of course, it bears in mind anyone going out trick-or-treating. Everyone should have something of a hearty meal, preferably well-rounded to sort of ward off all the excesses of sugar. This most recent blog was no exception. It was posted on October 25th under the headline, Summon Spooky Snack from Seven Layer Dip. Of course, Seven Layer Dip is a very, very popular potluck contribution that I can't recall not having seen at any casual gathering that I've been to over the past decade. It's affordable for hosts and potluck contributors alike, as I mentioned in my blog. It lends itself to being made ahead for people who, you know, need need to do that advanced party prep because it allows the layers, the beans, the sour cream, the guacamole, and the salsas, what we're talking about, to firm up a little bit. This one has a little bit of a seasonal twist. It's dubbed Graveyard Taco Dip. And I saw this recipe about a year ago from food writer Daniel Neiman for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. That's where this recipe appeared. It's a pretty classic dip. It isn't technically seven layers because it's lacking the shredded cheese and also some sliced olives that are very common in a lot of versions of this dish. It's supposed to be mostly green on the top layer with sliced scallions because this is something that the creators were envisioning as a graveyard scene (laughs) and stuck into the little grassy layer are toasted tortillas that have been cut into the shape of tombstones and ghosts and bare-limbed sort of eerie trees. Try your hand at that one if you're good with just a paring knife. Cookie cutters could be used if you have them that are in the appropriate size ratio to your baking dish. But check out that recipe for your Halloween get-togethers and entertaining graveyard taco dip on the latest post to my blog on October 25th under the headline, Summon Spooky Snack from Seven Layer Dip. I thought I would share in this podcast a few more savory ideas from the archives of my blog. And again, as I mentioned, this is a 
not a common thing for me. So I had to do some digging and went back to October 2014 to find a post with the headline, Seven Spooky Snacks or Savory Halloween Fair. There seems to be like a seven theme going on here. <laughs> that was posted on October 29th, 2014. And the easiest way to find this post is by searching in the top right-hand corner in the search field. You could type in Halloween, and it would most certainly come up in those entries. Also, just going to the drop-down menu further down on the right-hand side of the page under the heading archives and selecting October 2014, it should be the first one that pops up as they're posted in reverse order on the 29th. I thought I'd share a few ideas. One that does certainly evoke the tortilla artistry with a paring knife of the graveyard taco dip is the idea of a jack-o'-lantern quesadilla. Using a knife to sort of carve out a jack-o'-lantern shape from a tortilla preferably a large one, but you could use smaller ones. might be easier with a large into a stem at the top and then carve out a face in the center. Top that with refried black beans. Don't carve a face on the bottom one and top it with refried black beans and grated cheddar cheese and then put the face on the, the top tortilla. And that, of course, can be very easily heated in a pan on a griddle and you've got a scary jack-o'-lantern face quesadilla. To go with that, you can mix up some scary guacamole. And really the only thing that's scary about it is how you decorate it. Mix up guacamole to whatever recipe you prefer. You can even use store-bought guacamole for this. Spread it out in a shallow bowl. It's kind of like the idea with the graveyard taco dip. You're trying to give yourself room to create a little scene here. And using things like black olives and jalapeno, maybe some scallions, maybe a little bit of cilantro, create some bugs and other little creepy crawly critters. This particular photo from the Los Angeles Times that I posted with this idea shows little spiders from half of a black olive and then slice another half and make like the little eight legs right there in the guacamole. Could use like a piece of a scallion for caterpillar creepy crawly thing. There's also some other things with little sliced jalapenos on here. Let your imagination run wild. You know, they're probably going to get eaten up anyway. The other one that's a little bit more creepy and could be served with guacamole, although it would be great with pesto in keeping with that slimy green theme, are witch's fingers breadsticks. Get pre-made breadstick dough if you don't want to go to the trouble of mixing up your own yeast dough. That's easily obtainable in grocery store roll and bake sections. You're going to cut this into finger lengths. Place the fingers on a baking sheet and then pinch the dough in two spots together to sort of like form what looks like knuckles, not like a knobby sort of part in two areas. Top with egg wash. Just mix up a, an egg, beaten egg. Add a sliced almond to the end of each to make fingernails. What looks like kind of 
claw like witch's fingernails. If you go to this post and look at the photo again from the Los Angeles Times, it'll make a lot more sense how these come out. But they really do, with the sliced almond as a nail, look like kind of gnarled fingers, particularly if they don't come out perfectly. My favorite of these happens to be something that's not suggestive of of anything else other than what it is, and that's really, really delicious spiced popcorn, which is a complete favorite of mine. I have it as a snack on a very regular basis, at least weekly. And I like to make mine spicy with cayenne pepper and hot paprika. And the mixture suggested for this after coming home and canvassing the neighborhood, don't eat a popcorn ball. Toss up some of the spiced popcorn. I like to do mine on the stovetop with melted butter. I also like to add just a little bit of good quality olive oil to my melted butter. And then mix up a spice blend of ground chipotle, chili powder, garlic powder, and cumin. Do the ratios that you like. I also think the onion, granulated onion, is really good. Sprinkle that on, toss it again, and I think that the ultimate finishing touch to a spiced popcorn is nutritional yeast, those flakes that look like fish food. And they're so savory and they, you know, are reminiscent of cheese, although it's not cheese and just utterly, utterly delicious. So try those four ideas from October 29th, 2014 and find three more. I'm <laughs> going to go into now just because they're little bit less creative, I think. Spiced popcorn, jack-o'-lantern quesadillas, scary guacamole, and witch's fingers breadsticks. But there's no reason to think that food has to be all sort of campy, kitschy, fussing over the holidays, Halloween in particular. One of my favorite things that I make every fall. It goes right along with toasting the pumpkin seeds from your pumpkin that you've carved. A lot of people love to do that. I love to do that. They're so good for you. They have lots of great minerals, fiber, of course. And if you're inclined to toast your pumpkin seeds, they're the perfect garnish for my favorite pumpkin leek soup. You're not going to use the pumpkin that you've carved out of the jack-o'-lantern. Not the right kind of pumpkin. You want a sugar pumpkin or what's known as a pie pumpkin. Or of course, this can even be made with another type of winter squash. Butternut squash works beautifully for this. A little pumpkin is just more fun though, particularly if you have them out as decorations and you can sort of like stick a butcher knife in them and start carving them up for this pumpkin leek soup. But look for a small, again, sugar or pie pumpkin. They're easy, relatively speaking, to cut in half, scoop out the seeds. Where it gets a little tricky is the peeling, a really, really sturdy vegetable peeler. I have an OXO brand works just great on this. It may take a little persistence. You know, you, they may be a little bit tricky to hang on to. I like to cut mine into wedges and then peel them. Some people may say just roast the pumpkin first, but I don't think that you get the same flavor as when you start with raw pumpkin and cook it all in the pot with the butter and the leeks. This recipe is one of the very first recipes I posted for pumpkin on October 31st, 2007, and find that post similarly by selecting from the drop-down menu all the way at the bottom, 
October 2007, and it'll be the first one that comes up under the headline, Don't Forget the Season's Other Pumpkins. Of course, talking about pumpkins that are really meant to be eaten, these small sugar, aka pie pumpkins. Pumpkin leek soup has just a few ingredients. It's very straightforward. It sounds strange, but it is so delicious. And I vote for this as a lovely, warming, savory, healthy way to fill up before going trick-or-treating, particularly with that roasted pumpkin seed garnish. It calls for two tablespoons unsalted butter, two medium leeks, the white part only, thinly sliced and rinsed well, a small onion, preferably white or yellow, peeled and finely chopped, four cups half-inch cubed pumpkin, again, talked about how to prepare that already, to measure about four cups, four to six cups chicken or vegetable stock, salt and freshly ground pepper to taste. And you can add a little optional cream or half and half to this. It's a pureed soup, but if you want it to have a creamier mouthfeel, add maybe a half cup to a cup of cream or half and half and just adjust the seasonings. If you're using toasted pumpkin seeds for garnish, you're going to use maybe about a half a cup just sprinkled on top. In a large pot, melt the two tablespoons butter over medium heat. Add the leeks, and these should be rinsed well. An easy way to ensure that you're getting all the grit from leeks is to first cut them in half lengthwise and then slice the halves crosswise. Again, we're using only the white parts. I like to include a little bit of the very light green as well. Rinse those in a colander under cold running water, and you can use a salad spinner if you have one to spin them dry. Add those to the pot with the butter and the finely chopped peeled white or yellow onion. Cook stirring often for 10 minutes or until the leeks are softened. Then stir in the four cups, half inch cubed pumpkin and cook for two to three minutes until the pumpkin is coated with the butter. Pour in enough of the vegetable or chicken stock to cover the vegetables by one inch. Increase the heat to high and bring to a boil. Then reduce the heat to medium and simmer the mixture for 15 to 20 minutes or until the pumpkin is very tender. If you have an immersion blender, which I do, this is a great use for it. Just put the stick blender right down in the pot and puree this. Or you could transfer it to the bowl of a food processor or the jar of a regular blender, pureeing in batches and venting it covered with a kitchen towel so it doesn't spatter. Otherwise, use an immersion blender to puree it right in the pot. And you're adjusting the consistency with a little bit more of the vegetable or chicken stock. Remember, it called for four to six cups, as well as any cream or half and half you might want to add. It's going to take a little bit more seasoning, reheat the soup, and taste for seasoning, salt, and freshly ground pepper. I prefer white pepper, as I've mentioned a number of times in this blog, but you can also use freshly ground black pepper. Maybe like a, a little spicy, a little cayenne might be nice, a little cumin might be nice, sort of some of those flavors from that popcorn. Let your palate guide you to this. A sprinkle of paprika is also really nice, particularly on the top for just a pretty garnish. But it can really be seasoned any way you like. The backdrop is that pumpkin and the leeks, which are so delicious together. So ladle the pureed warmed soup into serving bowls and sprinkle with the toasted pumpkin seeds. That makes four to six servings of pumpkin leek soup. My vote for a delicious way to begin or end Halloween evening. You can find that recipe 
from my blog, The Whole Dish, posted October 31st, 2007, under the headline, Don't Forget the Season's Other Pumpkins. Those posts are available on my blog archives at blogs.e7oregon.com forward slash rogue hyphen valley hyphen food. Read my latest posts, including the one from October 25th with a recipe for spooky seven layer dip at mailtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash the hyphen whole hyphen dish. Thanks for listening to and reading the whole dish.